The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 163. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Next Generation first season episode, The Battle. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, uh, be sure to follow The Secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also be sure to hit the bell to get notifications. I also want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network called The Secrets of Doctor Who, where Jimmy and Father Corey and I talk about Doctor Who in all its forms, from the classic to the modern, uh, in audio form on Big Finish, etc., etc. If you like this, you're going to like that, especially if, if, even if you don't know Doctor Who yet, it's a great way to get started. So check it out, The Secrets of Doctor Who, wherever you get podcasts from, or at sqpn.com slash Doctor Who. And be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We'll have some listener feedback. All right. So we are talking about the battle and it's a like the ninth episode of the first season. So we're making our way through that. Let me start by saying, Jimmy, could you give us a quick recap and then I'll have some comments after that. Uh, so like Grand Nagus Lord Kiv on Thoros Beta in Doctor Who, <laughs> one of the contemporaries, it's occurring in the same time period. Uh, Captain Picard is suffering from headaches, and Doctor Picard is uh, Doctor Crusher is totally freaking out because headaches should not be in the 24th century. It is soon revealed that his headaches are being caused by technological means through an alien device. The device is owned by the Ferengi Captain Bach, who shows up to present Picard with a gift. The gift is Picard's former starship, the Stargazer, which he had to abandon nine years ago. He abandoned it after being attacked by a then-nameless ship captained by Bach's son, who died when Picard used a genius maneuver, now known as the Picard Maneuver, where he briefly went to warp and appeared in two places at once. Now, Bach has found the abandoned Stargazer and is using mind-control devices to give Picard headaches and to force him to relive the encounter nine years ago. He apparently expects Picard to die as a result. Bach is removed from the command of his ship by his underlings since revenge has no profit, which is what's important to Ferengi, and Riker is able to anticipate Picard's actions and talk him into destroying the mind control device, freeing him. The end. The end. <laughs> okay. So I was going to say, this is another Ferengi episode. It's uh, The second. I guess the, the second Ferengi episode. The Ferengi are slightly different in this one from the first time we saw them, but still not quite the DS9 quark Ferengi that we will eventually get. No, and except for Bach. Well, okay, so they're, this is a big step up over the mm -hmm. first right. Ferengi appearance. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
they're not the kind of weird, shrieky little creepy monkeys they were. Yeah. At least not fully mm-hmm. the first time. And we start to get personality because Bach is not simply motivated by profit. So he is I mean, he's 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 has he puts his revenge and his care about his son way over profit. He's breaking all kinds of rules of acquisition. And so that shows that Ferengi are not monolithic in their personalities. And the the second-in-command Ferengis that we meet are actually reasonable. They're good guys in this. There's nothing wrong with them. And so, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're capitalists, but, but they recognize this is what he's doing is stupid. Right. And this kind of obsession with revenge is not going to end happy for you. And so they're they're actually reasonable i like that yeah this is also a a bottle episode of of, of a sort you know yeah. so usually a bottle episode is you use an existing set the existing set that's your primary set for the series well they used another existing set the movie enterprise set that had also been redressed as the battle bridge mm-hmm. so this is this, this is still a bottle episode though they aren't going out on location they aren't building new sets they're just reusing existing sets Right. Which, of course, as we've talked about before, is a way to save a lot of money on production. So you've got everything you need there. When Tweedle Beetles battle in a bottle episode with a noodle eating poodle on, uh, I'm not. <laughs> 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 I wanted to talk about the title, the battle. Yes, mm-hmm. this is another. I, and this this isn't just next gen. This is across almost all, or a great many, not almost all, but a great many first seasons of shows. They have absurdly generic titles for their episodes the battle like what the only one in the history of star trek really (laughs) have you seen the original series right Uh, you know why would you give such a ridiculous the battle why are you giving such a ridiculously generic title to this episode and what does it even mean? What battle are we talking mm-hmm. about? Is it the one nine years ago? Is it the one going on physically now? Is it the one going on inside Picard's head? You know, it's just... Yes, it's to all of it. Lazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is true. There, you look at the, the first season of TNG especially, and you look at the, all of the, the episode names, and um, yeah, and there the, are a lot of generics. And, this, and the same thing on other series. You look at the first season of The X-Files, space. Right. Okay, do you know how important space is going to be to all of the X-Files? And you right. just got an episode <laughs> called Space? Really? Yeah, you wonder, is it because they're, they're sitting in a room before a, a, a script has been written before, a, you know, a scene has been shot, and they're just coming up with the ideas for, okay, what are our first season stories? And maybe mm-hmm. that's just how it works, how when you're brainstorming like that, that's how it works? I think it's partly because they don't know if they're going to be renewed yet. Mm. Yeah, but also I think it's they don't really understand their own series yet. Yeah. Well, and there there is an aspect too of when when they are brainstorming, like you're talking about, Don, where they'll they'll come up with okay, here's you know here's the the concept for this episode, and here's just kind of a placeholder title, and some you know usually that placeholder yeah. title goes away, but I'm sure this one it was probably like you know we're gonna re- Picard's gonna relive a battle of his past, so we'll just call it the battle as a placeholder. Let's just leave it. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder when did episode titles become important for, for outside production like to fans you when know, they you know started I mean? appearing in tv guide mm-hmm. right 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 because the original series had episode titles right yep on like on screen yeah 
They put them yeah, on screen. And they were yeah. doing Shakespeare references and stuff like that. I mean... That's true. You didn't have a first season episode called Salt Vampire. Right, <laughs> right, right. Or uh, as we... If it, was in, if it was now in 2021, it would be Salt Bay. Uh, well, so... <laughs> Well, then you get then you get Doctor Who, where they've got serials, and you've got the serial title, which is what yep. we generally refer to them now. And then for quite a few years, the individual titles of each episode was what right. they actually showed on screen. That's true, and those that's true. were often very generic, just the yeah. Romans. Right, mm-hmm. right, that's true. Uh, one of the things this episode also does is it establishes the Stargazer history for Picard that uh, that his first command was the Stargazer that he had to abandon and becomes a an element of the Picard biography that continues on even into today to the Picard series um, and is formative to to him. But uh, this is where it begins. And, and it, see it makes no sense. Because right. so other episodes established that he was not just the f- first captain of the Stargazer, but he also like came up through the ranks on the Stargazer and then became its captain, which is kind of improbable. Right. Mm-hmm. You don't typically become the captain of where you where you grew up in the ranks, but then why do they give him the flagship of the fleet, even acknowledging that we're abusing the term flagship? Hmm. Because he's not a flag officer, so this is not the well, Enterprise is not technically a flagship. But right. but look at look at what happens here. He loses his first command. He right. loses it, and they spend weeks in shuttlecraft trying to get back to somewhere. And and right. they treat it like he did this genius maneuver, which totally failed to save his ship. The right. truth is this guy went out and lost his first command, and then his next command is the flagship of the entire fleet. That makes no sense. This guy in real life <laughs> would not have been given a second command. Or if he well, or if he was, it would have been something vastly inferior to the flagship. Well, it, there was it's nine years uh, in uh, time span, so I presumably had a ship before the Enterprise. No, he was put in put in charge basically of the. He was like the. Uh, well, I can't think of the, the term they use in the Navy, but basically he was the officer in charge of the production of the, oh, the building okay. of the Enterprise D. Oh, so he went right. from the Stargazer to. Utopia Planitia to build the Enterprise, and then there's a term, and I'm sorry for people in Navy, we don't have that term in the Air Force, but for an officer whose job it is to oversee the production of the ship, he takes ownership of the ship. I think it's OIC, is uh, officer officer in uh, command, is the uh, because he's not a captain because it's not technically a Navy ship. Um, And, And I would, you know, I'd argue too that you know i could see starfleet saying well yeah you lost your ship although i do have a question why he didn't make sure the ship was scuttled meaning yeah it's blown up fully functional they just um, left yeah, yeah. Um, like, why'd you but, leave <laughs> but he did but by his actions he was able to save his crew and get them rescued and everything so i, I could see that being a uh you know and that he did uh defeat the enemy before the enemy defeated them so well, I mean, there's a serious well, was, was so I'm, logic I'm, error in this. There's serious <laughs> logic error. I mean, I'm thinking I'm an admiral in charge of of whatever reviewing this for Starfleet, and okay, he goes out into the solar system. They encounter an unknown ship. The unknown ship fires on them, and they they manage to destroy the other ship. Theirs has you know fires happening, but is mm-hmm. otherwise okay. Instead of putting out the fires, they just leave it. 
Right. And this right. is a huge this is a huge piece of federation technology you are just abandoning. Uh, yeah. And 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 you spend weeks, you know, getting your crew back to civilization on shuttlecrafts and I'm sorry, I just don't see a second command playing out here, especially not the flagship. <laughs> well, as as uh, th- that means Starfleet is must be pretty incompetent cuz they didn't send a ship out to go salvage this yeah. ship that got left out exactly. there, which they presumably Apparently knew where they it was. It got destroyed or <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, flew into a sun somewhere, you know, who knows. Right. It would have been better if the, like somehow the Fer- this Ferengi had recreated it or something. That they they'd created mm-hmm. something like the real Stargate was destroyed and this was a fake version and that was like that would have made more sense. But the logic I mean, there were other logic problems with this. Like, Jimmy, you mentioned the Picard maneuver. There like, oh, yeah. how was there no defense against the Picard maneuver? That's stupid. I see a ship there. And there's and then suddenly there's a second copy here. I wonder if that's if I should shoot it both. Yeah, yeah. or or <laughs> at least shoot the new one, the close yeah. one. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 the it, the way the Picard so the way the Picard maneuver works is you have a ship at some distance, and it has to be way farther away than what they're showing us on screen. Yes, mm-hmm. because light travels at the speed of light, and so if you have a one second, if you have images. Uh, that last of the original location for, say, a couple of seconds, that ship has to be at least two light seconds away. Yes. Right. And the longer the image of that ship lasts, the farther away it has to be in light seconds. And then you jump closer, and you have light coming, bouncing off the, where the ship is now that's you know, coming into your scanners. Mm-hmm. And to see them both at the same time, there have to be big distances. And the obvious solution, you don't know, they have this ridiculous thing about we're going to detect gas compression right. and anticipate where it's going to be. It's like, no, just you've got light bouncing off the ship where it is now. <laughs> right. Shoot it where it is now. You know, right. you, I mean, if you're if you're if you think through relativistic space battles, of course, the one that's several light seconds away is not where it really is anymore. It's been moving mm-hmm. since then. Shoot the up-close one. Well, even more basic is the fact they have, they must have... I was going to get there, sens- yeah. <laughs> ...sensors that, that are faster than light because they can detect things that are fer- very far away, light years away. Yep, and yep. they detect things at warp, and they've got radio that goes faster than light. They have faster-than-light sensors. This is a non-issue. This is yeah. this this is not some genius maneuver. The only people this would appear a genius maneuver to are writers who don't understand either <laughs> both a real physics and b the imaginary physics they've already established on the show. Right. They must have brought in uh, Andre Bormanis after this. Yeah. Mean, <laughs> but the but, science consultant. Yeah. But notice this is just this is just the purpose of the Picard maneuver. I mean, I guess whatever writer came up with it thought it was cool. But mm-hmm. but on kind of a script textual level, it's just so we can have more captain idolization. Because yeah. this is like, oh, there's no defense. Our captain thought of this genius maneuver, and there's no existing defense against it. And everybody <laughs> heard about this at the Academy, and it was like standard reading. As you were reading about his complete command failure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then the the solution to the maneuver is like, okay, we've got a bigger ship with a bigger tractor beam. Literally, yeah. <laughs> that's the solution to prevent it. 
and so we we hold the other ship it, like like uh, like like a bully holding a little kid by the head, so that when yeah. he's hitting y- uh, you, you it has to hit in your most defensive place or something. It was yeah, it was kind of weird. Um, and, and besides, we know the real Picard maneuver is the shirt tug. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, they do try to fix this in continuity through the books. There's the autobiography of Jean Luc Picard, and they they do actually address a lot of this stuff: how he came up through the ranks and how he ended up captain, all that sort of stuff. It's fun. I'm sorry, but you're trying to plug a hole that is a that is the size of Net- the Netherlands at this point. Like it is, it is a big hole. Yeah, you know, I, I give you credit for trying to do it, but uh, yeah, it's tough. Well, it, it's interesting too, though, that this episode actually does kind of show that difference in perspective perspective of you know heroes and how great a captain he is and everything. Because for Picard, this is just this is when a ship attacked my ship and I lost my ship. And of course, Damon Bach calls him the hero of Maxia and the Battle of Maxia. And Picard's like, "Where's Maxia?" What? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, doesn't even remember. You know, but it, that but was it, it's cool. funny when we look through history, where they're from. One, you know, the the victor writes history. You know, and it's yeah, Battle Bull Run. Oh, you mean First Manassas? Yeah, yeah. this is a big battle versus a big rout, or right, you know, something like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, speaking of Picard in this, this is continues to be first season cranky Picard. Like, this is mm-hmm. uh, uh, oh. um, Patrick Stewart still playing Picard as the cranky captain. And it's the is, second time in three episodes Picard has been under mind control. Right, oh. exactly. Because we had Lonely yes. Among Us two episodes ago. By the way, speaking of the ships, they're so absurdly close to each other on screen. You know, mm-hmm. when, if the Enterprise hadn't grabbed the Stargazer with the tractor beam, it would have just rammed into it. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 it, yeah. The, the, it's it's interesting how over the years, like the stuff being made today, they do. I mean, it's not perfect. They're still trying to accommodate. You know, they they uh, spaceships still swoop and things like that in space, but they are trying to do a better job of showing distance and physics and that sort of stuff. Like something like the expanse. Yeah. It does a much better mm-hmm. job. Of they it. started doing that in a, in a noticeable way in battles in um, Babylon five. Right. Where they would right. have battles with Narns and shadows that were at, you know, thousands of miles distance. Mm-hmm. Right. And the little star fighters, like they, their maneuvering was more, you know, they flip and use reverse thruster and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. to maneuver. And, yeah. And even, even discovery for its flaws have, tried i can't say they've been great at it but they have tried in some points to show a bit more of this perspective where yeah. you know yeah. you got these ships that are a long distance away firing at each other right uh one of the things we see, we get in this uh, another first is uh picard's quarters we see those the see them for the first time in this one um and this is the scene where crusher comes in and, and says headaches we don't get headaches anymore i'm like you don't have stress in the 24th century yeah. like like I, it just doesn't make any sense to me that you would have cured "quote unquote" headaches such that a doctor never. I never see headaches unless there's a physical injury of some sort. I'm like, that just seems weird. Yeah, they've also cured the common cold. She says, and then she yeah. has to do bunches of checks on Picard for no real reason. Mm-hmm. Oh, for the whole episode. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like she's constantly wanting him to come in for more tests, and it's like you just did a bunch of tests. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Well, why didn't you do all those tests first? Like, why do you keep testing? <laughs> it is yeah. interesting. Normally, it's Troy that is the one in this this series that gets the headaches because they need to knock out her psionic powers. Right. And so she's the one who always gets the mental torture. So it's interesting for Picard to get it here. Troy, 
who is supposed to be able to detect emotions, immediately from Bach senses deception and danger, as if Mm -hmm. deception and danger are emotions. (laughs) She then also feels, when with Picard having his memories dredged up, she says she feels something from your past, as if something from your past is an emotion. It's like, Deanna, I don't know how much experience you have with humans, but we have memories all the time. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Betty, so it's, do you not think about your past at all? Especially when his ship shows up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that Picard gets to go over to his old ship and go to his old quarters and recover all this stuff that he thought had been lost forever nine years ago. So he gets like all his old books and stuff and pictures and more archaeological artwork. Uh, well, so but that if you can good. just replicate everything, I mean, is there really a need to keep all your old stuff? <laughs> Maybe it makes, like, stuff even more valuable. Like, the, uh, this is a thing that I didn't replicate, but is a real thing. Then, yeah. then again, we do have NFTs coming out now, or they're the non, non-fungible non transaction yeah, thing. To- where you tokens, get, that yeah. I have the original copy of this digital file. <laughs> um, yeah, the, then... Uh, then we have this whole bit about Picard's confession, his supposed personal log confession, where he says that uh, he fired without provocation on the Ferengi ship. And it's another story of a faked ship's mm-hmm. record, you know, that we, we've seen this recently in the original series that we talked about. Uh, they're astounded that it's actually in his own voice. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, um, this is the 24th century. It's just a deep fake, okay? <laughs> yeah right. you know and and you know to be fair though it, it, they actually got it right of one way you would tell if it's a deep fake or not you do the checksum where you yeah. basically you do a, a formula that gives you a number and if the two numbers don't match as they should then it's one of them's a fake so but i mean record record doesn't know what a checksum is and doesn't doesn't have time for data he doesn't want to hear about it. i can't hear about this, <laughs> well, this i mean they actually got that part right yeah, this yeah. is season one where they when the binars come on board they they can't even use the term computer virus they just it's like <laughs> right. deep destructive computer depatterning thing <laughs> yeah yes by the way speaking of Riker and logs Wow, people in the 24th century are even more addicted to log updates than people today are to <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. Law, uh, Riker, when we come back from a commercial break, Riker tells us that the the Stargazer, uh, which is now moving away from us under its own power as we see it zoom by on the screen, and it's like, you decided to update your log while it's in the middle of moving away from you under its own power. <laughs> really? It's yes. like, dude, you have a serious social media addiction here. Yeah. Maybe the yeah. uh, the guys back at Starfleet, they really need to know this every little bit. Oh, no, maybe he was starting his log and, oh, it's moving away under its own power. Maybe I should do something about that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> First thing, better log it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Riker will go Google it. And, uh, <laughs> Riker Googling is a funny yeah. uh, Twitter account. Um, yeah. But speaking of, you know, back to the Picard's confession, quote unquote, in the log, the fake confession. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm hearing this, like, when would he have recorded this? Like, mm-hmm. like okay, the ship has been attacked, damaged. The other ship is, is destroyed. Their, our ship is on fire. So, what, Picard goes down to his quarters to record his confession? In a calm And voice. why? 
Yeah, in a complex. Yeah. And why would he go record a confession if I'm abandoning the ship, presuming that it's going to be destroyed? So what is the purpose of this confessional personal log? It like you look at it, you go, well, this is a dumb ham-handed attempt to frame me for something. Well, and they sh- that would have been an excellent thing for them to point out, rather than going yes. on about the checksum, which was you know yeah. fine in of, of itself. They just like, wait, this makes no sense. Right? Why would but, why would anybody there- record this? Right, but there had to be the original log to begin with to fake off of, because he actually did record a log about him abandoning the ship right. in a calm voice. Of course, there's also yet another defense for Picard in this, which is, you know, the rest of the Stargazer crew, who would presumably be able to say, oh, yeah, that didn't happen like that at all. It happened exactly as the captain says it did. Yeah. Like, it doesn't hold up. At least at least the bridge crew. Right. Yeah. Right. They would, they would, they would have the truth. I mean, presumably. Anyway, uh, Wesley is uh, the one who saves the day again. Not in an obnoxious way this time. No, no, yeah. no. And, uh, although they, they do, it's kind of funny. He goes to the sick bay, points it out to his, his mother and Council Troy about these transmissions from the Ferengi ship, and the, the adults don't thank him for finding these things, and he, and he does the exasperated adults, you know, the teenager exasperated yeah. thing. Well. I did like at the beginning, though, where he kind of got, you know, Picard snapped at him for, you know, not actually just radioing up and reporting, hey, there's something I'm finding on the long-range sensors. You might want to check this out. <laughs> right, right. Instead, he goes up to the bridge and, hey, you're not going to believe what I found on long-range sensors. You're, you're about to detect something. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I do like that they call call him out on it, like, uh, so maybe you came to the bridge because you wanted to be here when it happened instead of yeah. just, re- you know, uh, calling us. Um I do also like that Crusher did the sensible thing in going to Riker instead of Picard with this information mm-hmm. yeah. about this weird transmission because he's been acting weird. There's a a couple of uh, story production, uh, I don't know, directorial decisions they make where they have the Ferengi beam directly to the bridge in the beginning instead of mm-hmm. a transporter room. Apparently, mm-hmm. they just didn't want to bother with that set in this episode because we never see the transporter room in this episode. So that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. There's another hole in the uh, in the logic of the story, which is Riker walking Picard through, trying to get through to him to destroy that silver sphere thing. You know, like the one I got in my hand here. Destroy the one next to you. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe you should destroy yeah. the one you have. Like, And maybe that will, like, let's shoot this. If that doesn't work, then we have Picard destroy his. But no, the drama would not be served by. Yeah, and apparently Captain him. Picard is packing heat all the time because he... Mm-hmm. He went over to the Stargazer in a mental daze, and, you know, so apparently your captain is constantly packing heat. Yeah. It's got a little Type 1 phaser. Yeah, yeah. a little lozenge-shaped one. Um, Frankie transporters apparently work through Federation shields, because Bach is able to beam off the Stargazer with its shields up, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, another little hole. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've we've pointed all the the story problems and all that sort of stuff. As far as the overall idea of the story, uh, where Picard is forced to confront this moment from his past, and you know, the, and it's a big revenge plot. What do you think of that? At least, if if they had executed it better, what do you think of the story itself? Yeah. Well, um, so given the scenario they've set up, where Picard lost his first command. That would be the thing to play off of. Mm-hmm. You know, he would, if you were going to do this story right, it would be, this was a tragic incident from my past. Uh, I was forced to fire on this ship. 
and maybe there was another way that I didn't see at the time and I ended up losing my command and 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 that would be the way to really, you know, have have Picard deal with this. This this the mm-hmm. way they've done it here, he's just completely in the right from front to back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that's not how you deal with things that are colossal mistakes you've made in your past. Right. 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 Yeah, the less he's he's a pawn in this one. He's you know from from beginning to end really make him more an uh, uh, an agent of his own fate in the sense of wrestling with his his conscience, wrestling with his decisions of the past. That right. you're right. That would have been more interesting. Yeah. How about you, Father Corey? Yeah. You know, I just this is one of these episodes I'm kind of meh on because it's one of the better first season episodes, but that's not saying much. Yeah, right. But that doesn't mean it's a great episode. And I agree. Kind of with Jimmy, they they could have taken this so many other different ways. The revenge plotline could have been played out so much better as well if they wanted to stick with that. It just it's because yeah, it, it's not clear exactly how was Picard supposed to die in this. Were they expecting that the Enterprise would shoot to, him to? Yeah, we yeah. would destroy the Stargazer instead of get shot by it, even though the Enterprise is clearly a much bigger, much more advanced, much more powerful ship in every way. Right. Than the Stargazer is. Because the Stargazer is not a big ship when you see the two of them in comparison. Right. You know, so I, I don't know. It's it it they really never made it clear how this was supposed to play out. Damon Bach does come back, however. Yes. Uh seventh season they've got the episode Bloodlines where it's Picard's he's going after Picard's son that Picard didn't know he had. Right. And that actually is a better episode, but That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah, seventh season. They go yeah, a deep cut in the seventh season. All right. Uh, any final thoughts, Father Corey? All I can say is, is it me or do the beds in the TNG era, you know, TNG, Voyager, and DS9, do they all just look uncomfortable? I mean, just, <laughs> certainly do. I don't know how anybody can sleep on those beds. <laughs> of course, have you seen a naval ship, uh, the quarters on those? Yeah, I have. And that was, ex- that's, why, <laughs> that's why when the Air Force, we had real beds. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jimmy? So this is the episode that has the famous line, or in my mind, famous line, where the Ferengi second officer, Kazago, is talking, or first officer, Kazago, is talking to Riker. And mm-hmm. they have this little dynamic, where which Riker invokes a couple of times, of, look, I'm talking to you first officer to first officer. And, and I kind of like that. But Kazago, at one point, says, I'm all ears. which is you humans say yeah and and okay fine that kind of anticipates some of the comedy we're gonna get in uh in in deep space nine i I, at the time i thought it was just cheesy but then when they became comedy characters i'm actually fine with it right i also like how uh the kazago and the ferengi in general just can't bear a certain amount of insult and Mm. it's like i'm not going to listen to any more insults and actually, that's 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 reasonable. There, you know, cultures mm-hmm. handle have vastly different insult tolerance levels, and and showing that is okay. There is nice acting by Pat. Now, a lot of the acting and dialogue in this is stiff, uh, just because it's first season, but or just because it's next gen. Mm. <laughs> but the there is some nice vulnerable acting by Patrick Stewart. When he is experiencing the headaches and uh, and 
uh, things like that. And then also when he's reliving the past and he's freaking out and reliving a battle sequence in his quarters with fire and ghosts all around him and stuff. So I like Patrick Stewart's acting. I also uh, thought Riker, despite a few stumbles, is actually fairly effective in this as mm-hmm. a character. He he's he's reasonable. He he's effective. He I liked how he got handled. So this is not as bad as I remembered it. Uh, I would have previously given it one stargazer out of five, but now I would give it two <laughs> stargazers out of five. <laughs> All right. And we'll we'll probably get a chance to see the Stargazer again because Picard season two is going to be a time travel story and we're likely to revisit Mm. the Stargazer. Oh, that's an interesting point. As we do these episodes, it's interesting to keep in mind when Picard's past comes up, this may in fact be like the uh, we'll probably also see I'd be interested if they see the. uh, the one where we get the heart, where he fights with the the creatures, the Nausicans, um, yeah, the Nausicans. tapestry, uh, yeah, that comes up again. At least elements of that story, uh, that would be interesting to see. Very good. Uh, we did have some feedback. I wanted to read now from uh, Kirchon Piche or Pitchy. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it, but uh, on YouTube wrote, "I found this episode through Jimmy Aiken's blog mailing list, which I subscribed to many years ago." It's like I found a hidden gem. I can't wait to watch more from this channel and binge watch the previous episodes. I personally enjoyed watching DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. Discovery and TNG are a bit harder to watch. Well, that, thank you, Kurt Sean. That's, uh, yeah, yes. thank you. I'm, we're glad to have you aboard. And uh, yeah, we uh, d- definitely check out. We've got 162 previous episodes for you to, uh, to, to catch up on. So that's great. All right, uh, that should do it for us. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Sandra M., A.B., Daniel C., Tess W., and Philip G. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. So what did you think of The Battle, this first season of TNG story? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Deep Space Nine episode, Vortex. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thanks, Tom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, why do doctors always say the obvious as though it's a revelation? 